Hello, and welcome back to Art and Mount Holyoke College Art Museum student-run podcast that discusses not just the art on the walls, but its interdisciplinary connections. My name is Molly Wolforth, and I'm a student guide and curatorial intern here at the museum. And in this episode, I'm joined by fellow student guide Anya Nankiliar as we discuss a 10th century Indian sculpture and what it means to have it in a 21st century museum. I'm joined here today in the Asian Gallery by student guide Anya Nankiliar, class of 2019. Hi, Anya. Hi, Molly. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, so let's start by just talking about the piece that we're sitting in front of. Do you want to just sort of give us a little bit of a sense of the, the visual that we're looking at here? Yeah, absolutely. So in front of us, we have the beautiful dancing Ganesha statue. Um, it was made sometime between the 9th and 10th century, uh, most likely in Madhya Pradesh, India, and it's made out of buff sandstone. So it's got this beautiful, earthy, light, rosy color on it. Um, it's also a little rough on the edges because it seems to have been broken off from its original station. Right, so it's interesting that you bring up that it might have been taken from someplace else. You can see the parts where things might have fallen off of it, which kind of makes you think about what might have been next to it or around it. Um, And also kind of the context that you might have seen it originally. Um, I'm guessing that probably the the temple or the architecture and where this came from uh, probably didn't have like museum quality lighting or um, a nice convenient label next to it or anything like that. Um, So we sort of started our discussions about this piece by thinking about um, an experience that you had uh, with this work. Um, So I was wondering if you would be willing to elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The Ganesha has a lot of meaning to me in my life and my own experiences, and uh, the fact that you brought up that it might have been in a temple or somewhere else uh, is a good starting point for that because um, I actually see the Ganesha a lot in my life. I have a Ganesha statue in my room, I have a Ganesha statue back home, and he's traveled everywhere with me. He is also one of the few gods um, whom I've connected with the most because I was told his stories while I was growing up. So my mother used him as a primary example to teach me about how to interact with the world, about morals, about how to just be a good person in general because he was a naughty kid like me who liked eating a lot of food, but at the end of the day, (laughs) he did the right thing. Um, And so having seen him in the museum really changes the space for me because he feels familiar, he feels like home, he feels like, or he makes me feel like I belong in the museum. And it makes me think of how my mother would react if she saw this statue here because I know she would have a different interaction with him than I would. Hmm. That's interesting. So kind of your connection to this object, um, it's not really as an object, it's as you know, a, um, a piece from the stories that you grew up with and sort of the childhood lessons you had. I feel like we all had some kind of version of that. Absolutely. Um, but I think it's interesting that you mentioned that your mother would have a really different experience with this object, like for where you feel like it brings your childhood and sort of background into the museum. What do you think your mother's experience with this object would be? That's a good question. Um, I think that 
Firstly, I'm not as religious as my mother, and so I don't necessarily look to the Ganesha for any uh, spiritual or religious invoking, but he does provide a sense of comfort for me as someone who's mm. familiar. Um, for my mother, though, she is more religious than me, and she does she is very connected to her faith, which I think is really incredible. And every time we have gone to a space that has had a statue of a god or a deity, um, she always makes it a point to pay respect to it and make us or make it known that that is someone she looks out for, someone who protects her. And so I think that if she were to see the Ganesha here, she would be very delighted to find it here. But I think she would also maybe say a little prayer to the statue um, out of respect. Right. I think it's that that I experience that you mentioned of your mother sort of having this like religious connection mm -hmm. to a piece. I think something that's really interesting and challenging in some ways about museums is, you know, objects like this can be taken out of their context. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that can be, have benefits from like a conservation standpoint or like a preservation standpoint, um, but it definitely can change, while it like context can change, it doesn't always mean that the, the meaning behind an object changes, particularly in terms of religious objects, um, to the people to whom they are sacred. So I think that's sort of an interesting problem that museums present, where they can change the context of a work, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worst, but while that your sort of utility has changed, like meaning has not. So what kinds of things do you think, with considering objects like the Ganesha, um, that are brought into this museum space that is a different context of where it would have normally been. What do you think really changes about this object within a museum space? Do you feel like it loses meaning? It has a different meaning? What do you think? Um, I think that I definitely think about the temporality of objects and like what the movement of it means. So going back to your um, ideas about conservation and um, having it be in a different place than it was originally, um, I imagine that this was a part of a larger temple um, and it was uh, decorating probably the outsides or even the insides. You can't necessarily tell because temples have uh, deities all over them. And I assume that it probably was in a lot of contact with the earth and the environment and rain and heat. And in that standpoint, I think that the fact that it's here um, all the way from the 9th century is incredible and it's still preserved and we can still see the face and the details and I think that's incredible and in that sense I think that I am grateful to be able to see an artifact mm. from that age and time but I do feel a sense of loss in the sense that it's moved from its original space across continents and it's now here in the Mount Holyoke College Art Museum. Um, I think that there is something to be said about that in the sense that um, it's not where it was, but it is occupying a new space now, and it has an additional role attached to it. I don't think that separating it from the temple takes away its religious value. I think that um, just as religious experiences and faith are subjective, I think that the objects operate in the same in the similar sense, mm. and so ha it having moved across time and space has, I think, added to what this statue means as opposed to taken away from it, which doesn't mean that we're forgetting about the loss, the fact that it was taken from its home, more that it's in a new space now and it can operate in a different way. So when I look at the Ganesha, um, 
one, the Ganesha makes me feel like I belong in the museum space that has uh, traditionally been very Western dominant and tends to showcase Western canon history. Mm. So it creates a space for people like me. It also makes me think about how the Ganesha can be used as an educational tool in this space to help the people learn about Indian history, the history of other parts of the world, the history of religion. Um, it also makes me think about how um, now that I come into the space, I feel almost as if the Ganesha is watching over the Mount Holyoke Art Museum. And so it's not in a temple. We can see that right now. It's standing on a pedestal, which I think is interesting because it would have had its own pedestal in the temple, but it's in a different space, different pedestal now. But I still like to think that because he's here, he's watching over the Mount Holyoke Art Museum and protecting it and creating new spaces for the people who come to see him and everything else in the museum. I think it's really interesting that you've articulated the meaning that can come behind this new context. Um, I think the idea of the religious interactions of the object, you know, still being poignant, even though it's not in its original context, um, is really interesting. So I wanted to ask, finally, what do you think it means, or how even, um, can museums help to facilitate these experiences of, um, you know, people who find meaning um, like religious meaning in these objects, how can a museum help to facilitate those kinds of interactions? Yeah, I think that's a really important question for a lot of museums to be asking right now, and I am glad that we're having this conversation right now, sitting in front of the Ganesha, because looking at him, um, it makes me think about every time that I've had the chance to go to a temple in India and seeing those statues uh, surrounded by uh, the priests and everyone else to see how they're supposed to be treated. And it makes me think about, would he have needed food near him? Would he have needed water or milk near him? And um, every time we have a religious ceremony back home in my house, uh, we usually bathe our statues in either milk or water. And what does it mean uh, for this statue to be here, to have been untouched by anything because we are trying to preserve it? And um, Usually when you're praying towards the end of um, a prayer, we touch the, the statue um, and in a sense to make a connection to the object and to say that we see you, you see us, and we hope that you will give us protection. And so what does it mean that you can't necessarily touch these objects and you have to engage with them from a distance? I'm also thinking a little bit more about the spatial needs uh, about having to interact with religious objects. Um, in that I think the Ganesha in the Mount Holyoke Museum is placed well because there's a lot of space to stand around and pray to him, but it also makes me think about um, whether you would need a more isolated or secluded space without noise or interference to be able to pray to him. Well, thank you so much for joining me in conversation today about the museum's 9th to 10th century dancing Ganesha. Um, it's been really interesting to hear how looking at something that on paper is so old is still a completely active experience for you and for so many other people. Um, so thank you so much, Anya. Thank it's been you a pleasure. For me. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Art and. Many thanks to student guide Anya Nand Kyoliar, class of 2019, for this conversation about the recontextualization and new meanings of the 9th to 10th century Dancing Ganesha in this contemporary museum space. To learn more about the Dancing Ganesha or listen to more episodes of Art and, please visit our website 
at artmuseum.mtholyoke.edu. The music in this episode is by Chad Crouch by the Free Music Archive. Special thanks to the MH Cams education staff, and thanks again for listening.